Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Conspire a Theory. I have with me returning guest Pat O. How's it going, Pat O? Hey, what's up, Chris? You know, I got I got to say, you have one of you probably have the second greatest voice in podcasting history after <laughs> yours truly. I have begun to really enjoy <laughs> your uh, your podcaster voice. You you knock it out of the park, my friend. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I ever since I had you on. I just, I brag about how I got, yeah, I got Pat O to go come on my show. And then I made him do the Pat O. Oh. I made him do it. He was crying a few times because he's like, do I have to do it again? It's like, don't do it again. Dance, monkey, dance. And I, I just, I forced you at gunpoint to do it, to give me the Pat O. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> We've done a couple of episodes together, not just on on this podcast, because you're a returning guest here, but we had done other, uh, we did like another show, which is one of your other shows, Y2K Movies, which I yes. had a lot of fun with. We got to have yeah. you back. I was brought in as a, as I guess, as a guest for, um, to discuss Jupiter's Ascending, which is one of my favorite movies that I've, you know, discussed over and over and I dragged all my friends to go see. And when we did your show, I thought that we'd be talking into like the world building, the plot and stuff. And it turned out to be more of a, a, a Wachowski sister circle jerk talking about, you know, just being a, a fan of the genre and more about the production and stuff like this. And and it, it was still, it, it's not what I expected, but it was a great time. And hopefully I could come back. And this time I'm going to bring Battle Angel Alita. Yes, of course. I can't. Yeah, I, I very much looking forward to that because I, I love James Cameron and I love Robert Rodriguez. I actually just um, just Friday night, I, I repurchased uh, El Mariachi on iTunes and watched it because I, I just figured out like the Apple TV thing um, on my smart TV. And was looking for something to watch and uh, hadn't seen that in forever in a day and needed kind of a refresher course on how to make a really dirt cheap fucking movie and uh, rewatched El Mariachi and still enjoyed it, you know, even though it's, 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 it was a lot, it's a lot uh, goofier than I remember it being. And you can definitely see it's how it's, how it's cheap. But to think that he went from that to some of the stuff that he did, like you said, Alita Battle Angel, um, you know, it's it's a very impressive journey as a filmmaker, and, and Robert Rodriguez has always been one of my OG favorites, and I look forward to revisiting that movie with you in the near future. Oh, yeah. He's definitely a filmmaker's filmmaker. He's not the kind of guy who, like, I believe one of his quotes has said, I didn't, you know, get into Hollywood to join a club. I went there to make movies. Yeah. And it's clear that, you know, in his movies and his craft, the dude just loves making movies. Yeah. So when the, when the time comes, you know, we'll discuss that. But the thing is, you know, when we do discuss, you know, Alita Battle Angel, I got to warn you guys, I've got like 30 plus years of manga lore stuck up in my head <laughs> that I need to expose onto somebody. And you and Thomas, is that your co-host, right, Thomas? No, it's Daniel. Daniel? Daniel? <laughs> <laughs> okay, one of those, one of those gringo Thomas. names. Just cracker Daniel. <laughs> okay, Daniel, I'm I'm sorry. Daniel and you are gonna have to, you know, be there at the ass end of it. Because sure. I, mean, I swear I'm gonna get on that show and I'm not gonna actually reveal the secret as to what 
Alita is, and it will disgust you on Cronenbergian body horror levels as to why there will never be an R-rated Battle Angel Alita that, you know, for them to make it like that, you know, the, the, the secret. So we'll get to that when we get to that. Oh my God, that. I'm excited. So in discussing the movies, just to, just a quick retread. When you first came on, we were going to discuss like a little bit of spooky shit. I hadn't known your full story yet, but I knew enough to know that that we could discuss, you know, a lot of interesting topics. But when we when we got in, I immediately latched my hooks into you and we just, just talked movies like nearly the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I got to admit, I, I do feel like I owe you a formal apology on the grounds that I I put you in a compromising position because you still work in the industry. I I don't. I don't work in the industry. I'm not a filmmaker. I'm an artist. I've worked as a grip and you know as a as a as a storyboard artist for a few productions and stuff like that. But other than that, I'm not in the industry. You're in the industry. And I was bringing up, you know, stories about, you know, producers, you know, doing sleazy stuff with with uh, with the talent on the couch, you know, using the couch as a dating profile and stuff like this. And 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 the thing is, because you still work in the industry, you know, you couldn't drop any dirt like that on on other people because, you know, you still have to show up to work with those people <laughs> and, and, and no one's going to no one's going to hire or want to work with someone who 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 tattles. So, so I feel like I owe you an apology for that. No. And honestly, like the, the, the showmances that I've, I've seen have always kind of, uh, happened very organically. Usually everybody's very consenting. Nobody I know that is, is, is kind of has any, has that much power to, uh, force someone to do something they don't want to do. Everything is usually, everything that I've seen at least has been relatively consensual maybe in bad taste maybe a bad decision or two has been made fine but uh relatively consensual i'm not keeping any like wines you know weinstein type secrets here weinstein x yeah no esque if if there's some secret cabal of hollywood producers that make red leather shoes out of kid's skin or whatever that fucking theory is i've never they haven't fitted me for those shoes yet so i don't know We'll see. <laughs> uh, hey, one day, one can hope. One can hope. I think I've already proven myself. I got a pretty big fucking mouth. No one's going to tell me anything that I that they can't. I'll get drunk and tell somebody. You know, I I talk about that on the Wednesday show all the time about how I want to work for the CIA or, or be the CIA operative at Weekly World News. And I don't think I think I've already proven. I, I this dude. I'm recording four podcast episodes today alone. I got the biggest fucking mouth out of anyone I know. No one's going to tell me <laughs> nothing that they don't want broadcast everywhere else. So, <laughs> you don't got to take credit for that. I ruined my own. Uh, I ruined my own reputation. All right. Well, I just needed to get that off my chest. In the first episode, yeah, we talked a lot about movies, a lot about you growing up as a man, and all that stuff, and and just a little bit, just getting to know you. And you know, we sort of like left uh, your co-host for weird world uh, on Wednesdays. We talk weird. We left it. up to azure to carry the spooky weight but you have some spooky baggage of your own if you like to get into uh, a couple you know 
maybe not dealing with ghosts and stuff, but certainly like some of the, the other particulars, especially something that I'm very much into, which is the, the um, alien encounter experience, right? which, which I have a heavy interest in. If you could, you know, um, expand, just, just introduce us to that and how it pertains to you and your life, if you would please. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm not going to spend all the time and energy I do uh, hosting a weekly paranormal show, a weekly podcast about the paranormal conspiracies, the occult, etc., um, without having a, a pretty vested interest in that subject matter. And, um, you know, a lot of my interest comes from from several different places, but one of my main ones, and, and honestly how me and Asher's became friends in the first place, is uh she was looking first she was looking for an editor for a documentary she was working on so it was the it was the filmmaking stuff that initially kind of brought us together the second part of that was that she was looking for people to share their paranormal experiences of which i've had several over the years um and you know the thing about any kind of experience is that it becomes very normalized to you so if you grew up in a household with domestic violence which i didn't but just you know speaking uh, theoretically if you grow up in a situation where that stuff is kind of normal it becomes normalized and you just kind of accept it and if you grow up in a household with you know uh libertine artists free thinkers that becomes very uh, normalized and, and you just kind of accept it. Same thing with racism, same thing with anything. And the one thing that I can say really defined my, <laughs> my childhood and my early adulthood is I have had a fairly decent amount of, uh, paranormal experiences. And, um, you know, some of them are debatable. Some of them, I guess it just depends on, on what you want to believe or where your what your point of view is on that particular day. But yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely left me very open and um, open minded to this stuff because I know what I've experienced and I know the way that I've kind of processed it. You bring up my my alien experience, which is probably one of my more formative earliest experiences, happened when I was about uh, between ten and twelve years old. You know, um, I've tried to recently since since I started talking about this on the podcast, I have tried to go back and like backwards engineer exactly when this happened right and um i remember it was in the winter time i remember it was around super bowl sunday and based on how old i was and where we were living at the time i want to say that i was maybe between 10 and 12 years old um i say 10 at the low end because we moved when i was i think like nine and we were in the second place that we lived and I say 12 is the cutoff because I think by 12 years old, I was well into puberty and, and, and upper adolescence in my kind of teenage years. And this would have been, I don't feel like I was that person yet when this happened. So I'm going to put it in that kind of, uh, that bandwidth there. And what happened was I woke up in the middle of the night and I remember hearing my mom screaming. Uh, her and I lived alone in a two bedroom condo on the south side of Chicago. And, uh, I left my, got up and left my bedroom and I grabbed a baseball bat. What's interesting though, is that I had this bat. It was one of those mini sized bats, not like a full size Louisville slugger, but one of those promotional little bats that people would have in their office or whatever. I slept at it, slept with it, in the bed with me. 
And I did this throughout my whole entire childhood, which is another weird thing. I don't know why I did that for some reason. Maybe that's something a lot of kids did. But um, I remember I always had like a toy sword that I would keep in my bed with me when I went to bed at night. And um, I can look back and kind of psychoanalyze that and say, why did I always do that? Why did I always feel the need to have a weapon with me? And even now, I mean, I don't mean to brag, but my house is fairly well equipped with <laughs> all kinds of weaponry. <laughs> a little bit more than baseball bats. But uh, it's just been a recurring thing for my life. So anyway, woke up, grabbed yeah. a bat. Yeah, I get that. Went, went out of... Uh, went out of my bedroom and went into my mom's. And as I entered my mom's directly in front of her door, there was the closet. And then standing away from the closet at the side of her bed were two um, grays, gray aliens. And then there was the bed and then she was on the opposite side of the bed. And when I came in the bedroom, I remember they turned and noticed me and they were surprised and there was some kind of communication of I wasn't supposed to be here. I wasn't supposed to be seeing this. Somehow I had interrupted this thing and um, my mom called me to the bed with her and I, I, I went and I kind of sat on the side of the bed facing them. And I remember she came up behind me and she held me and, um, they said that they were going to tell me something that I was going to remember. I wouldn't remember it right now, but I would remember it later when I needed to. And, um, that was it. And then I woke up the next day and, um, we had breakfast. I remember sitting there at the kitchen eating breakfast and the radio, we were listening to like the morning radio show. John Records Landecker, who was a DJ here in Chicago, and they were talking about a UFO sighting the night before in Wisconsin. And I want to say that it was the Monday after Super Bowl, and they made a joke about the blimp or or the Goodyear blimp, or it must have gotten lost or something. I don't know. And um, that was it. I remember we didn't say anything about it. That That was the end of that experience. But there was other stuff... There was other stuff that kind of, so that's the main one, right? That's, that's the big one, but I can look, I can look back and I could see other little ripples, comments that she had made over the years about her being an abductee, about aliens themselves. She was, you know, we, we were a, a Catholic household. I went to Catholic school all 12 years. Um, you know, we went, I was in CCD or altar boy. We did church on Sunday. And she, but she was into like new age stuff too. Now, granted, this was like the eighties and the early nineties. There was lots of books about angels always being around and self-help books, books about UFOs and aliens and stuff. And I remember Bud Hopkins intruders being a book that was around my house and I had read it. And one time she saw me reading it and was like, why are you reading that? And this was probably prior to this this experience that I just related to you guys. This was probably earlier than that. And um, she saw me reading it and she said, you know, I've had that happen to me. Like I've seen those things before and me being like, holy shit, really? And she goes, yeah. And she told me the story about how she had woken up once on a table and there was these little um, hooded figures around her and that they were, 
trying to do some experiment with her and she was praying for them to go away. And one of them said to her that her conception of God doesn't work like that or something. And, um, that always stuck out to me because I don't see her as being the type of person that would really question the nature of religion. So the fact that she would kind of fabricate this exchange with an alien life form that tells her that her conception of religion is wrong is, uh, is not something I think that she would have done. It doesn't fit her MO, but in retrospect, bigger picture looking in, you can see how that might actually be accurate. You know, our, 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 especially a, a very old school Irish Catholic viewpoint of uh, creation and God and all that stuff is probably a little not medically accurate, I guess you would say. I don't know. You know, I mean, just to interrupt, I remember watching this anime called Triangle Wars, and in that they discovered that God was just a caterpillar, a giant caterpillar in a, in a, peach, in a, in a jar, in a big old tube tank. And then, of course, I think God got hit with a bazooka and, and his guts exploded. They're like, oh, they killed God. But th- that, that, that's besides the point. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> I mean, well, well, it was weird because its voice was like uh, the voice of a, of a child. It had like a child voice. So that, that's a way to add to the creepiness factor. But anyways, uh, back to, to what you were saying. You know, I just didn't mean that. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 yeah, that, that the concept of God is very... It, it's very questionable and but you know we all act, but like why do we ask those questions but it's just it's just it is what it is so so i guess back to to what it is that you felt you know led up to that experience and you know i guess these these ripples in your life that that it seemed like it seems like this sort of thing was was always going to happen to you or do you think it would always, or is it one of those like 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 red hair where it would skip a generation or some or something of that nature? You know, it, the in doing this show and part of the reason that I do on Wednesdays we talk weird, and then I'm so uh, I have not. I mean, we've been doing it. I think we're going into our fourth year doing this show, and it's it's a weekly show. And as someone as a podcaster yourself, I'm sure you know like that type of production schedule. Um, I mean, it's part of your life. Like you, you are doing this and you're doing this every week and you got to have a, you got to have a genuine love for it and a reason to do it. Otherwise you're going to start skipping weeks or I'll get to it when I get to it or whatever. You know, there, there's things that I've, I, I still to this day kind of spontaneously remember that little details from my life that I never thought were important. And in doing the Wednesday show, they kind of take on an importance now. And maybe that is me impressing importance on the nonsensical, or maybe it's me connecting the dots. And there really is a bigger picture here that through, you know, I'm 40. So, you know, I'm still in this path of self-discovery and self-reflection and looking back on my life and looking forward and, and paying attention to what's going around me now and trying to impart, order and and reason and basically the chaos of our daily lives and one thing that that kind of came out of the wednesday show just recently is we did an episode on injured cole 
and the smiling man phenomenon. Indra Cole was someone that supposedly revealed himself to Woody Derenberger around the time of the Mothman stuff in West Virginia in the 60s. And Indra Cole said that he was an alien from Lanlos and that he was visiting Earth and that he had this relationship with Woody. And he'd pop in and he got to know Woody's family. And he was a humanoid. He looked like a person for the most part. But he had this weird grin. And that was something that uh, made him very... Uh, he kind of was like a, a men in black type person, right? And um, when I, when we did an episode on this and then we did episodes on men in black you see that this is a recurring phenomenon, right? That different people in different situations have seen these men in black, and a lot of times they're grinning. And it seems very odd, out of place. And I remember one time um, as a child seeing this person up at the park that I, it was a Saturday afternoon. My mom was working. I was home alone. I was at the park, and I, I was playing with kids and stuff, and I came home from the park and I remember looking out the window and seeing this person that had been up at the park and he was an older guy and he had this weird grin and he had a kid with him too. And, um, I just remember being really freaked out with it cause I felt like this person had followed me home and then was standing across the street, looking up at the window of the, we were on the, we had a second floor condo, right? Which another weird thing about my upbringing is that we had a second floor condo and we had a balcony. And this balcony is two stories off the ground. And I remember we had an ADT alarm system with that balcony window, with that balcony door, part of the alarm thing. So if the alarm was set and you open that balcony door, it would set off the alarm in the condo, right? And I remember when we had it installed, the guy being like, you know, all right, sorry, for the basic plan, we cover like, you have this many sensors, we can hit all the windows, and we can hit the door. And my mom was like, well, I want an extra one on the con on the on the balcony door. And the guy was like, ma'am, it's two stories up. What do you think someone's gonna use a grappling hook to fucking get up here? Well, you don't need an alarm on that. She's like, no, I want an alarm on that door, which obviously says that she was worried about something too. She thought that there was a reason that that the lock on there wasn't enough. It needed to be guarded because someone could come in. Someone was going to climb up the balcony in the middle of the night. Um, but yeah, it was that whole experience that I had as a kid. I remember that and I, it happened, but I never really dwelled on it or thought too much of it. I just kind of forgot about it. Right. Like a, a song that you used to listen to on the radio back in the day that you haven't heard in a while. And doing this episode on the men in black and the smiling man phenomenon made me remember, Holy fuck that fucking guy at the park that like, I don't know if he followed me home or what. And it, it, you almost start to wonder like, why do you, why do I keep making these connections with these things? Why has this volume of stuff happened? And granted, there's plenty of other stuff. There's plenty of other shows. I've never seen a Bigfoot. I've never seen a flying saucer. I've never seen uh, a ghost. Well, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> there's lots of stuff that I've that I've that I have never seen. But unfortunately, there's more than a handful of things that I have, you know. And I I I just hope that I'm not making these connections because I feel the need to, or that because it's some kind of like, I don't know. I'm trying to write myself into a story that I, I honestly have no part in, you know, and that's why I kind of like doing the show because I like hearing other people's stories and 
it helps me kind of make sense of my own journey by exploring other people's. Well, the, the funny thing with synchronicities is it's like a, uh, it's like explaining a dream or showing someone pictures of your cat, someone else, they're not going to understand the significance of that, but, but because it happened to you and, and you make the connections, it's significant to you. It's like explaining a dream and why this is significant and why that is significant. Whereas someone else will say, well, it's just a dumb cat or yeah, uh, everybody sees owls and butterflies and shit, but you know, because <laughs> well, we see, we, we attach, uh, like a personalized significance of it because it's relevant to us, you know, in, in a, in a way that, that, that it registers with us. So from, from, your perspective, yeah, I can understand that. And and I can understand anyone looking back in their life saying, well, I did this once. Does it connect to something in the future? Or what's the reason I was always apprehensive about X was because of this experience that happened to me later in life. You know, so I can completely understand that. And, and I kind of see where you're coming from. I think you're absolutely right. We do have, there. there's a natural instinct to impose order and importance on the mundane. And that's something I've always just at least tried to be self-aware of is that, listen, if it was up to me to write the story of my life, of course, I'm going to be the most important character in it, right? I'm. We all think that we are these special, you know, um, unique snowflakes that, that were, you know, created by god and and that we are the most important we are the center of the universe and uh we're not we're all kind of the same right we're all not no one life is worth more than anyone else's i don't know some of us got participation trophies to prove it so (laughs) yeah but no no no. see i i I, i'm i'm too self-hating for that i could never i could never buy that i had uh you know i was raised by a, a a a murder of Irish women that fucking uh, <laughs> talk shit about everyone and everything. So I'm my own worst critic. Now I think, you know, sometimes I just think we want to believe that we're like, how many, how many girls, maybe you haven't, but I know I have, I think they're fucking psychic or think they're witches or think they got fucking superpowers and shit. It's oh, always, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Crystal bitches. And it's always the chicks that think they're psychic that fucking bounce checks, right? They never have their shit together. It's like, if you're so fucking smart and you have these extrasensory abilities, why do guys keep treating you like shit and dumping you? Don't you see that shit coming? Oh, no, you don't, right? People yeah. that have psychic abilities should not bounce checks. They don't get fired yeah, yeah. from jobs, right? <laughs> oh, I don't know. My boss just walked in and fired me today. I don't know. I didn't do anything wrong. Well, aren't you fucking psychic? You didn't see that coming? And and I know a lot of people like that that are convinced they have superpowers. Like, bet you ain't the X-Men. Fucking get that idea out of your head right now. Like, And I understand how intoxicating that thought is to think that you are this special supreme fucking being that had something happen to you that i mean just listen to my fucking story like the thing it sat down and it told me something important oh okay so something flew all this fucking way or came all this way to impart knowledge on me why the fuck me what the, what, what am i gonna do with it right i better not involve running or fucking climbing a tree because i can't do that shit you know it's like i don't i don't I'm not going to subscribe to that narrative and just, and just think that like my own delusions of grandeur don't come into play with this because you're talking about having experiences and understanding phenomenon that goes wildly like the, the 99% of the fucking human race has no concept of, it doesn't know what to make of, you know, and, and for you to say that you or me or anybody, like for a person to say that like, 
I've had this happen. This is real. I understand this. They told me stuff. I don't know. It's just, I'm very, I'm very. I've heard a lot of things where, you know, um, people will stop taking their medications because their psychic said so. Or, or even where it's like, I got to stop my meds because the aliens don't like it when I take it and they won't visit me if, if I do. So I've heard of, you know, of, of overlapping sense of responsibilities conflicting with the fantastical in someone's life <clears throat> and how yeah. that, that, that element, some people, when they touch it, you know, they'll do anything to, to hang on to it, hang on to that element, even if the, you know, the rest of their life is completely chaos. Well, I, I think you touch on two really important things there. Number one is that there is an overlap between people that are obsessed with the paranormal and conspiracies and mental illness. And all you have to do is go to one of these conventions, of which I'm going to three this summer. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are really cool. And a lot of people just want to come up and buy a T-shirt and talk to you for five minutes. And, you know, I'm not saying that everyone that listens to our show is fucking insane, but some of them are. And I've met them. And I've sold them T-shirts before. And, uh, I mean, God bless them. Their money spends like anyone else's. But there is an overlap between people that have a, a you know, super vested interest in the paranormal and conspiracies and shit. And people are out of their fucking minds. And I hope I'm not one of them. I don't know. I might be. You know, but um, I think there's a little bit of that. And if you try to, if you try to pretend that that's not there, you're doing yourself a disservice. The other thing that I want to touch upon that you said that was right on is um, trying to hold on to that feeling and chasing that dragon. And, um, you know, I know what that's like because that is something that uh, drugs do. And um, people that, you know, have a really good trip or, or something and experience something on the outside. I can remember the first time I tried mushrooms got you know mushrooms are are basically poison they grow out of cow shit and you eat them and your body produces like an anti-toxin to deal with the poison that you just ingested and that anti-toxin that it produces to deal with the poison is what makes you trip and i i ate a handful of mushrooms and got really sick and then kind of got through it and um had all kinds of crazy visuals and you know the one thing about visuals that that you don't oh people that don't haven't done this stuff don't realize is that when you realize how so much of our perception of reality is based on what we see and when you take something that doesn't just alter the way you feel but what you see you realize how easy our perceptions of reality can be manipulated right so as stupid and kind of juvenile as it sounds, taking a bunch of mushrooms and then watching the, the stain on a wood-paneled basement wall swim, a lot of people would just sit there and watch that, that design swim and think, well, look at the pretty colors, right? But for me, looking at that, I was like, oh, my God, I know that's not swimming. I know that's not real, but my eyes are telling me it is. What does that mean about the things that my eyes tell me are there all the other times, right? All it is is information. Information can be misinterpreted. Information can be uh, altered. Just like this is all being altered to me now, what if everything's being altered to me outside of this moment? Maybe this is how it all really looks, or maybe, you know, I don't know, whatever. However, however deep you want to go. And um, those were really deep moments of introspection. 
And then um, it went away. And I went back to normal. And it wore off, right? And there was a depression. I remember when I did mushrooms, too. I was basically in my backyard, you know, just admiring all the detail in every blade of grass. Or because it was night, you know, when the traffic would pass by the house, I could notice the colors in every beam of the of the headlights, you know, and, and that I was transfixed by that. Uh, my my friend gave me mushrooms because he wanted to see what I could do artistically with them. He wanted to, you know, get me high and then and then, you know, have me draw something and see what I could do with it. But of course, I spent the whole time, you know, again, counting the blades of grass and, you know, admiring the, the, the traffic lights as they pass by. I think one time we nearly laughed ourselves to death because we were watching uh, Dave Attell's Night Shift. And then I cracked a joke, you know, during one of the guys, you know, and watching it. And we both laughed so hard that we basically were rolling on the floor just about ready to to almost laugh ourselves to death, literally, because it was just we just couldn't stop. <laughs> like like those weasels in Roger Rabbit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so now, but when it wore off, did you feel depressed at all? Or was there, because I mean, obviously that was a very, it was a very, you know, good experience. You were laughing, you were having a good time. That was you up here. And then when you come down, you know, obviously it's, it's like, a, it's peaks and valleys. So did you feel depressed? At- I guess I didn't notice the, the, the down because when I, when it was over, it's like, okay, I guess that that's done. You know, I, I missed the feeling. It was a great feeling, but you know, it's, it's like, okay, I guess that's that, you know, and then nothing, nothing came of it. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't feel any yearning for it. I mean, yeah, it was fun. Well, it was a fun ride, but it's not anything where it changed my perspective on any, on anything. I didn't feel, you know, uh, you know, like I didn't see the ends of the universe or anything like that. It was just, it's just a you know oh a quick fun ride okay that's done and yeah that's mine it. yeah I I I think there I can remember feeling um it was uh, it was a bummer uh, feeling that it was it was ending and everything was going back to normal and this fun ride was over and um, you know it that's I think when people that people that suffer from addiction are the people that want to get back on the ride right again or never want to get off it. Right. Um, that's the problem with, you know, I took my kid to go see cocaine bear this weekend and he was mm-hmm. asking me like, like, what's the deal with cocaine? He's 12. Right. And I'm like, well, here's the problem with Coke is that it's expensive and it lasts a short period of time. So people that want to do it, they want to keep doing it. They want to do a lot of it. But it's expensive, so you, it costs a lot of money. So people, you know, get in trouble or they sell stuff or they steal stuff. They steal from other people or they, or they keep it hidden because they don't want to share it with anyone else because it's so expensive and precious and shit. And, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of negativity surrounding it. You know, because I was trying to explain to him, we, pot is legal here in Illinois. So he's familiar with the concept of marijuana and marijuana is legal. And we see people smoking weed in movies, and it's funny. But why is it not funny when people do coke in movies? Why is it always, like, looked down upon negatively? Why is there this negative stigma for this drug but not that drug? Um, And I think it goes back to what you said earlier about people kind of chasing that feeling. People that have that one paranormal experience, have that eye-opening experience, and then spend the rest of their lives trying to get more, trying to make more sense of it or relive that moment. Hmm. And... uh, 
I don't know. They've all happened kind of effortlessly to me. So do you, do you think that in chasing that that do you feel like you're chasing that feeling in a in a healthy way, or or do you think like you might not be doing things as responsibly as you could be doing having um, this experience? You know, there was uh, well, I think there's two two answers to that. The first answer is do I first part of that is do I feel like I'm chasing that experience? You know what? Maybe that's why I do this podcast is because that is a part of me chasing explanations for the unknown. Um, and the more I talk to other people about it, the more I hear other people's theories or listen to other people's stories, the more I can kind of backwards engineer an explanation for my own. That is entirely possible. Um, the second part of that is, um, have I handled this responsibly? And you know, I don't know. And that's something that as I've gotten a little bit older in life, I've really spent more time asking myself because I have, um, you know, I viewed that experience, the one I, I told at the beginning of the show, very negatively. I did not think it was a good experience. Um, even though it really didn't necessarily hurt me, um, it was scary and it was, it left me feel, left me feeling like unsafe. And that was something that I think I've carried with me. And, um, you know, it, and when I, you know, I, I, I told this story and it, it didn't sound inherently negative, right? No one was being heard. Um, but it was still scary. And thus I labeled it negative. And I spent a whole big portion of my life kind of running from it and not wanting to repeat it, you know. And maybe if I had embraced it more or or taken more steps towards it instead of away from it, um, maybe I could have learned more, done more with it. I don't know, you know. There's that scene at the end of Close Encounters of the Third Kind where Richard Dreyfus has the opportunity to go away with the aliens in the ship and leave his family behind. Or he can stay on Earth. And Richard Dreyfus gets on that ship and leaves his family behind. Would you do that? You know? This is a this is an opportunity of a lifetime. It's the opportunity of a, a species. It's this is one of the most in, you can't even really contextualize how amazing of a chance this is to get on that ship and go away with them and see all the things that you could see and find out all the things you could find out. Would you be brave enough to do it? Or would you say, fuck that. I ain't getting on that fucking thing. Would you be scared and suspicious? Or would you embrace your opportunity to fucking meet with the unknown? Um, I don't know. I still think I wouldn't get on that ship. You know, I'm too much of a coward. I don't think I'm a bad person, but I mean, come on, you know. So, so you talk about the experience, and did I do as much as I could with it? Probably not. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I kind I'm of still get, human. But, yeah. <laughs> I kind of get what you're saying because I, I, again, like as far as doing the podcast and stuff, I'm sort of in the same boat as you are, chasing that dragon, and and that, you know, the the exper I haven't encountered any aliens, as far as I know but I've had the experience of sleep paralysis. So I felt that vulnerability of being in bed paralyzed. And then 
an entity coming into the room. So yeah. uh, uh, that, you know, so that vulnerability, that terrifying vulnerability, I've, I've felt it. And whenever I, I do shows like these, like with you right now, I'm pretty much just taking you and squeezing the experience out of you like like you're an orange or something, just so I could get a taste of it, really. And, me. And, it's the, and it's the thing is that, that, I mean, when we were talking about, like, when I do the artwork stuff, like the, the experience stuff, you know, that, again, that's me, you know, squ- juicing, the, juicing the experiencer, where, you know, I mean, that's, that's the only, only other way that I know how to, how to step into the experience again, except through someone else's eyes and sort of flesh it out. I'm glad you brought up the sleep paralysis thing. Cause I do want to say that is something that I have experienced in my life. I haven't, it hasn't been as it used to, I used to work swing shift. So I'd work second shift and, and midnights and I'd get it a lot during the day. Um, when I would try to sleep during the day, I would get it. And, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, even going back to being a kid, I used to have it. And I've probably had it a handful, like maybe two, three times in the past five years. It still happens. Not as often, but it's, you know, I, now I live here and I know that it's happened in this house at least a handful of times. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, we know the, we know why that happens. We know that there's no supernatural explanation for that. We know that it is just a matter of your brain not waking up all in the correct sequence, right? Certain processes come online before others, and it leaves you in this weird limbo state where you have experienced sleep paralysis. And these are the feelings that you feel, and these is what this is what you sense, and it feels this way. And that's been explained and documented, and we know that there's absolutely nothing paranormal about it. So um, the fact that I experienced that too, in relation to all these other things that I have that aren't necessarily sleep paralysis based, but it's kind of, you know, I don't know. I, I, I try to, I, I don't shy away from rational explanations for things. You know, I don't feel that I'm doing myself a disservice if I discount the, the sleep paralysis phenom- phenomenon, because we know that that's real. We know that that happens. And we know that even though that feels like alien abduction and we know that that feels like, demonic visitation or some kind of shit we know that it isn't we know that it is we know exactly what that is for some people it's very easy you know the more cynical uh critics to write everything off as just that but there's some stuff that it just really doesn't you know it fits for most but doesn't explain everything type of thing yeah and then i think there was like a another attempt where another story where you were in bed and yeah so this was okay this was um about 13 years ago and i was laying in bed next to my uh girlfriend my wife back when she was my girlfriend i'm sleeping i'm facing this way and i have my back to her we're butt to butt and um i roll over towards her and i kind of sit up and on the other side of her, on the other side of the bed, there was a uh, gray, but not the same type as before. Not anything tall with the big black eyes, um, shorter, kind of like an uglier face, small eyes. Um, and it was just kind of sitting there, looked very mean and angry and ugly. And it was sitting there, um, 
and she was between us. So my wife was facing the alien, and the alien was there looking at me, you know. And um, I laid back down and rolled over <laughs> and went to sleep and was like, oh, you know. And uh, that was it. And woke up. And why that, and I remember having that dream and thinking that that was really bizarre and um, finding out two weeks later that she was pregnant. And that kind of was what made that experience always kind of uh, hang in my head was the um, connection with, with her pregnancy, was finding that out later. Because one of the things that, it, and as a sleep paralysis uh, experiencer, I'm sure you can identify with, is that when you have these sleep paralysis things, when they when they happen to you, you will be absolutely convinced that the world is going to end. You're you're so I'm so terrified and so, you know, you think that that hell has come and is in your bedroom at the foot of that fucking bed, and you are convinced that the you know the the greatest evil mankind has ever known is coming and it's coming for you. You are so scared and so panicked. But eventually you fall asleep and it ends and you wake up the next day and you're like, oh yeah, remember when that happened? That was fucking crazy, you know? And it's, it's nuts because like, it's so, it's such an intense, terrifying experience that we somehow just brush off and move on with our lives, you know? And that's what like, when I, when I kind of explain that like these things have happened to me over the years. And there's more. There's a lot more. I mean, there's there's tons of other stuff. I, I could, dude, there's so much other random fucking weird shit that's happened. And you tell people these stories, and they're always like, well, then what did you do? Well, what, who did you say something to? And it's like, nobody. But how, how, why didn't you, why didn't you email someone or call the new, I didn't, because I woke up the next day, and everything was fine, and I went to work, you know? And it's like, that's, we compartmentalize, and that's something humans do, or maybe it's something I do, I don't know. We're like, you can be terrified one minute and then fall asleep the next <laughs> and then wake up the next day and not think about it at all. You yeah, know, and, and it seems to only happen like usually with these particular like reality bending encounters and experiences. You know, I mean, if you saw a guy, just a guy in, in your bedroom, you know, just out of nowhere, just popped. I mean, you probably get up and bash their head in. You know, if it was something terrestrial, you know, the, 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 like explainable, like, oh, someone crawled in through the window or whatever of that nature. Uh-huh. But then at that time, you're not going to be frozen by sleep paralysis uh, and, and stuff of that nature. You know, it's it's something something where you're sort of you're in this sort of zone that allows whatever it is to manifest. And then it does its manifestation. And then when it dissipates, it's like. It, it doesn't just take itself out of the room. It pretty much takes everything as far as, you know, whatever it was that was keeping you awake or that awake that awoken you, you know, it's almost like it, it drains the room, so to speak. And, 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 you know, the experience are along with it when it leaves. Because That's a really good people, explanation. They, they don't, they don't really, because you don't like roll back and go to sleep. It's like, you're compelled to it's it's almost like your body is just saying you know oh we saw too much time to shut it down it's you almost know, in a bit involuntary whether we realize it or not 
oh, uh, in some cases. Another another uh, anecdote I want to throw out there, and I'm sure I've mentioned this on the Wednesday show at some point, um, is that there was a uh, there was a girl that I lived with for about four years, and um, we broke up and moved on with our lives and went in separate directions. And a couple of years later, I, I ran into her at a bar, and uh, we were talking, and um, just catching up on where our lives had been and stuff, and she made a comment about how um, she likes, she <laughs> she sleeps better now that we don't live together. And I was like, why? And she goes, it was, it was terrible sleeping next to you, because it was always weird shit going on, and you would talk in your sleep, and you'd fucking kick, and the fucking lights in the room and stuff. And I'm like, what are you, what are you fucking what? And she told me this story. I swear to God, this is the fucking truth. She goes, mm-hmm. I remember one time I woke up, and we had a garden apartment, right? So the light, the windows are like at five foot, right? There's windows, but they're like up on the wall. You know, it's a garden apartment. And when you look out, you're looking at the sidewalk and shit, right? And she goes, I woke up one morning. I woke up in the middle of the night one night. And I look over and you're standing in the bedroom and you're you're in this light. And I thought that you had gotten up. Because this was back when I was drinking. Like a lot. I was in a band. And uh, not that that's any excuse, but <laughs> that's, my, that's my explanation. And... Um, I used to, like, get really wasted and then, like, piss in the hamper and stuff or, like, wander around the bedroom in the middle of the night and, like, could find the bathroom and I would fucking pee in all kinds of places and shit. And she thought that that's what was happening. She wakes up and she looks over. She sees me standing in the bedroom and there's light coming from the garden apartment window and it's, like, bathing me in this light. And she thought that it was a car, like headlights, because we lived by, there was some street, you know, obviously we live on a fucking street and it was, there was a lot of traffic and stuff. And she's like, I thought it was headlights, but then I remember like, no, that wouldn't make sense. And I'm looking at you and then I realize it's not you. And then I look down and I see you laying next to me and I rolled over and just went to bed. (laughs) And I was like, you didn't freak out? And she was like. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I just went back to bed. And I'm like, and then what happened? She goes, I don't know. We, we woke up and we went to work the next day. And, and this is like, this is like, like years after. Like never said anything to me to it. Like we, we go on through the rest of our relationship. Whatever happens, happens. We break up. And then I run into her at a bar three years later and then she tells me the story. You know? And it was like, what was that about? I don't know. Was there a ghost in the a garden apartment? Would it, did it have something to do with me? Did it, you know, who knows what the explanation for that story was? You know, I don't know. And and maybe it had something to do with her. Maybe it wasn't even me. Maybe, it, or maybe it was, I was projecting or something. I brought that up to a shrink once and he tried to tell me that I was, I was sleeping and astrally projecting or something. I'm like, that's your explanation. You know, because I was seeing a counselor for a while and I, I brought all this stuff to him because I was like, do you do hypnotherapy? Do you know someone that does hypnotherapy? What do you think about all this stuff? And he completely discounted all of it and was like, none of the aliens are fucking real. People have weird mental blocks and, and we misremember things. And he was more likely to believe that I had seen something entirely different, which I know is one explanation that I gave on the Wednesday show. And then I had somehow recontextualized everything to fit the alien mythos because that was somehow 
more uh, comforting. More, more plausible. Yeah, like which is like what? For, like fucking aliens makes more sense yeah, than like yeah for for the mind of a child type of thing. Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, it, and the, that that's just the thing is that you know, like when you discussed your first experience, you experienced like one specific type of of creature. And then the second one is like a whole different species. And then it's like, well, then, then we, you know, ask the question, well, was, you know, like how many of them were there for you and how many of them were like there for someone else? And you just happened to walk in on it type of thing. Like, like how many experiences, is it genuinely your own experience and how much is it? Are you just a passenger on someone else's experience type of thing? You know, I could see that first thing with my mom being I walked in. It it did feel like I was walking on set in a play. And I wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like I had like I, I had shown up, I missed my cue and I I came into the scene too early. And everyone was like, "What? No, you're not so you're not supposed to be here right now," you know? And that they were just trying to do damage control after the fact. Um, it could be entirely that I am one of the most irremarkable people on the face of this planet. But I'm like the life of Brian, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just fucking happen to be there when, when this shit yeah. happens. I'm really not. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me whatsoever. I am not remarkable in the least. I just have... I just hang around with people that are into some shit and I'm always kind of there in the background fucking smoking a cigarette and wrong place, wrong time. You know, that's, that's entirely possible. Chris, I like that one. Hmm. I remember, I think it was Terry, Terry Lovelace who he had told an experience where, you know, he had walked in where, where he, he had his first initial abduction at devil's den and then he like had another experience like like somewhere else and i asked him the question so the the second experience you had those weren't the ones that you had like lifelong like experiences with it, it's like you didn't have an account with those people with those those creatures you know and and he said you know it's like yeah that's pretty much what it felt like it felt like you know cuz he had had been a lifelong the more he dug into it the more he realized that he was a lifelong experiencer and then the devil's den was sort of like that was sort of like he walked in on something he shouldn't have that that was like yeah i don't have an account with this service so yeah. they had picked him up you know when when he was sort of collateral well that's thing. one of the things that um one of the things that i've picked up on doing this wednesday show is that there's a lot of um there's a lot of people that claim to have these one-off experiences that don't necessarily form a coherent mythos with all the other stuff, right? Like there's no cohesion of narrative. Like, you know, there's no uh, MCU type story structure being laid down here, right? Where like this guy says that he came came across these aliens that say they're from this planet this guy came across these aliens that say they're from over here. This guy saw a flying robot in the woods that fucking shot sparks out of its ears. Like none of the, there's a lot of stuff. There's, there's, you know, the most coherent narrative that we have is like the grays, right? Where like, oh, there's mm -hmm. grays and they all kind of look and all those experiences you can kind of lump together 
yeah, yeah, and they I don't like necessarily gentrification. <laughs> that's a fucking. I'm gonna steal that shit. Yeah. That's a good one. But so there's that, and that that's the bulk of it. But then there's all this other these outliers, right? These one off stories that don't that what? Well, they say they're from this planet. They say they're from over here. They say they're here for this reason. They say they're here for that reason. Some of these people got to be lying, right? Not all yeah. of these, or we live in a multiverse where all these things can be true. And there's yeah. no conflict. It's just all, they're just from a different dimension where that is the, where that is the outcome that does, you know, they are here to save humanity. They are here to save the environment. They are working with the Russians. They are from our future. They are from our past. They are, you know, reptilians or evolved dinosaurs, all this stuff. You know, if, if, if we take into the consideration dimensional travel, then all this stuff could be true. Um, I don't know. People are probably lying. Someone's got to be lying, right? They can't all be yeah, real. Yeah, I mean, not everybody could run into Valiant Thor, especially if the possibility of Valiant Thor being completely fictional is very high. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Type of type of thing. But again, it's one of those, I guess, staples. That it's like also there's that whole the idea of like the the what is it the co-creation theory where maybe what we're experiencing it, it's like it all is one thing it's just it wears different uh skins you know each time because it's well, tailoring itself to each type of person in, in a way i've heard that thrown out and i like that explanation as well yeah but if that's true then it's lying too because it, it we supposedly different people have gotten different explanations for this phenomenon from the source itself right yeah so yeah, it, i've I've noticed that as well in the lore that the more we learn about our natural world, the further away the aliens come from. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. Even if you just look at it, like we always had explanations for these visitings, right? These visitors, these sightings that we have, these experiences. And yes, when we were a more magical type civilization where we believed in magic, then they were fairies and they were leprechauns and they were this and that. And then when we moved into the rocket age and the great unknown was outer space, then we attributed them to flying saucers from specific planets and, and diff distant solar systems, right? Mm -hmm. And now we're looking at string theory and we're looking at multiverses and we're looking at all this stuff. So now the idea is they come here from different dimensions and all this shit. And our explanations kind of changed to match our science, but they could be, I don't know. They could be far off and maybe right. Maybe maybe we are being kind of lied to or they tell us what we want to. They tell us as much as we can understand. And if we understand magic, then they use magic. If we understand religion, they use religion. If we understand science, they use science. You know, I don't I don't know. I don't know. And then you see this shit in the news, like with the UAPs. And I don't that kind of brings it back to the flying saucer stuff again. You know, and, and are they from outer space? Yeah, I, I still don't know what to make of the uh, saucer experiences. So I do feel like the aerial stuff is like, it's a bit, I don't know. The but stuff a lot that of... flies in the sky, I don't know if it's not always related to the stuff that shows up in the in people's bedrooms. But there's a lot, no, but there's a lot. Of, look at Betty Barty Hill. You know what I mean? There's a lot of experiences that, that you can't take the outer space component out of it without saying that those experiences are completely bullshit. 
right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I understand Same thing my with, uh, Terry Lovelace, yeah. Yeah, my my stuff, right? My stuff. I never was brought aboard any spaceship. They never took me out. I didn't look at the stars or anything. You know, it was all just like things just appeared. And right, that could have any number of explanation. That could have religious. That could have dimensional. That could have all kinds of whatever. But you read the stories and you look at there's a lot of sightings that know something came down from the fucking sky in the middle of the field and landed and then things got out and did shit and brought people in or they were driving late at night and some light came down and stopped their car and they were pulled out of the car and the next thing they know they're driving you know all this kind of shit like what about those stories like that is so much different than the nighttime bedroom stuff but it's not sometimes too sometimes i don't know it's 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 a lot to digest and it's hard to wrap your head around and greater minds than i have you and i have spent more than an hour thinking about it Hmm. (laughs) and and not come to the bottom of it so i don't know yeah 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 i i guess i guess we'll just go ahead and and wrap it up here it's a good good part to it it's interesting and i guess we're gonna just keep on talking about it so we'll just have to see where it goes next time right hopefully hopefully the next time that you and me talk it'll be over alita battle angel and i'll see if i can get (laughs) see if i can get you and dan to throw up when i explain to you where alita actually comes from what did you think his name was uh thomas Thomas. (laughs) it's probably because of the thorn i thought tom when you I come guess. on, we got to refer to him as Thomas. That'll be the way to <laughs> do it. We'll make, we'll make him call himself Thomas yeah. for that episode. Like, shut up, bitch. Your name's Tom. <laughs> uh, anyways, so, yeah, I guess we'll go ahead and we'll put the pin here. Thank you so much for taking this time to to share this stuff with me and work out some, the, some of the, the nuts and bolts of the whole thing. Yeah, sure. we're not going to come to an answer, but at least – we put put up a few more questions and just trying to figure this shit out. Yeah. So I guess go ahead, just for the listener's sake, go ahead, let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Dr. X2112 on Twitter. So at Dr. X2112. Yeah. And the podcast you, you're on? On Wednesdays, we talk weird and Y2K movies and all that stuff you can find through Dr. X at Twitter, Dr. X2112. All right. I guess thank you for coming on and everybody will talk to you later.